0: So today is Palm Sunday and the start of Holy Week as we recall the last week of Jesus' life on earth before the resurrection. And of course the resurrection is what we celebrate next Sunday on Easter Sunday. So I challenged you many weeks ago to read through the book of Genesis and the book of Matthew. And so if you've been doing that then maybe you are getting to the end of Matthew and um, In chapter 21, that's what we are looking at today in the whole scheme of Matthew. And then chapters 21 through 28 describe the last week of Jesus' life before the resurrection. So today we're in Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11, which describes the events Christians traditionally call Palm Sunday. So let's take a look at that. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heavens. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. The crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God, for the people of God, thanks be to God. So at this point in Jesus' life, he is in his 30s, he has spent three years in ministry on earth, he has done amazing miracles, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, helping the deaf to hear again, he has the power to feed thousands of people. The power to calm storms, to walk on water, and even to raise the dead. According to John's gospel, just before he entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he had just done an amazing miracle by bringing a man back from the dead. Lazarus had died and had been buried and in the tomb for four days when Jesus showed up. And he told Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus rose from the grave and came walking out of the tomb. So, and then he enters into Jerusalem. Can you imagine the buzz that was surrounding this man? Jesus tells the disciples where to find a donkey for him to ride into the city on. And he has a specific one in mind. Now this is a fulfillment of prophecy from the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament. They are to go find a donkey and its colt. A colt is a young donkey that has uh, never been ridden before. And they are to bring the donkey and the colt to Jesus. And if anyone asks why they're taking the donkey, they're supposed to say the Lord needs it. And that's important. Because, you know, um, I don't know, maybe some of you got donkeys. I don't know. Um, We hear donkeys up where I live all the time. You can hear them, it seems like, from miles away. But if somebody comes up to you today, and then starts untying your donkey, you're probably going to ask, hey, hey, stop. Why are you untying my donkey? What are you doing? Well, Jesus said, if they ask you, just tell them the Lord needs it. Well, what does that mean? Well, apparently, you know, people knew that the king rode into the city on a donkey. And so, apparently... Just by saying, I don't know if maybe Jesus made arrangements ahead of time or if maybe this was a person who just God had told them one day somebody's going to come ask for your donkey and you're going to ride it into town because that's going to be the day the Messiah comes to Jerusalem. Whatever it was, they said, if they ask you about it, say, the Lord needs it. Now in their day, the Lord was the king and they lived under the authority of the king. And if the king asked for something, you gave it to him. So, you know, when somebody comes up and they're untying your donkey and say, hey, 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 what are you doing? And they say, look, it's all right. It's for the king. It's for the Lord. And then they're like, okay, well, you can have it then. Because the Lord gets what the Lord wants. All right? Keep that in mind. I wonder sometimes, does the Lord have authority in your life to take whatever he needs Whenever it needs it. I mean, we always say that, don't we? I mean, if we're Christians, we're all here in church. We say, well, it all belongs to the Lord, right? I mean, it's all His anyway. But when He comes and He's like, hey, I need your car, <laughs> you say, all right, sure, whatever, Lord, you take it. It's sure yours anyway. If He comes and says, I need your pharmacy, Hmm. He says, I need your home, I need your family. The Lord needs it. And we say, oh, it all belongs to the Lord. That's easy to say. But when he comes to us and he says, I need it, are we ready? Are we really to, really ready, ready to, to let him have it? Or we just want to let him have it? <laughs> How dare you ask me for that? It's the Lord that needs it. The Lord needed a donkey. They, they gave him a donkey. But why a donkey and why a colt? Well, when a king comes to attack a city, he's riding on a horse, a war horse. You go into war on a horse, but you come in peace on a donkey. Donkeys, you know, that makes sense to me. Donkeys not the kind of animal I imagine people riding in the battle. Can you imagine two people on a donkey dressed in armor with little jousting things running at each other? That's just a comical sight. King comes in peace, he comes on a donkey. And a colt is a young donkey that's never been ridden before. And Jesus is making an important statement in this process. He's saying, he is the king. And he's not just any king, he is a special king. He needs a donkey that no one has ever ridden before. Because there's never been a king like him before. He's such a special king. He needs a king that he needs a donkey that no one's ever ridden. This king is the long-awaited Messiah. Lastly, Jesus is saying the Messiah comes to Jerusalem for peace. I don't know if the people of Israel fully understood what Jesus was saying. Yes, they were a people of the book. They knew their scriptures. They knew that the prophet Zechariah had said that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to come riding on a donkey. They understood that symbology. Jesus was fulfilling scripture. But I still don't know if they fully understood it. He is declaring that he's the Messiah, that he's the royal heir to David's throne, and he's coming to the capital city to claim his throne. And crowds of people flooded the streets. They're cheering for him. They're waving palm branches, which is a national sign of victory for Israel. They're welcoming Jesus as their Messiah. And they're calling him the son of David. And they're praising God. And they begged Jesus to save them. That's what the words that we sing, Hosanna, loud Hosanna, it, it literally means save us. So you can imagine these people waving their victory branches and they're chanting, save us, save us, save us. Save us from what? Save us from these despicable Romans that are oppressing us. And they threw their garments down on the ground, which was a symbol of submission. It was sort of like them saying, we submit to you, our king, you can ride over our clothing But please just don't ride over us. Don't trample us under the feet of the war horse. Donkeys are for peace. And many in Israel wanted Jesus to come for war. To kick the Romans out. And that's why I think they didn't really understand. They knew that he was the Messiah. And they understood so much about him. But they didn't understand the whole part about peace. This was a time when people thought... We need war. We need war. We need a Messiah who can fight and who can kick the Romans out. But Jesus' mission on earth was peace and reconciliation for all people, for all nations, for the Jews and the Gentiles and even the Romans. The Gospel of Luke says that Jesus wept as he drew near to Jerusalem. He wept. He wept and said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and they will encircle you and they will close in on you from every side and they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Jesus came in peace, but he also knew that Jerusalem would reject the peace he offered. He knew that in a few more years, the great city of Jerusalem and the wonderful holy temple of God in Jerusalem would be no more. Jerusalem would rebel against Rome and the Romans would burn Jerusalem to the ground. And thousands upon thousands of people would die horrible deaths. And those that survived may wish they had died because they would be dragged off as slaves. No wonder Jesus wept. He wept because Jerusalem literally means... City of peace. And it's supposed to be the city of God. But when God came to them, they wouldn't accept him. And they wouldn't accept God, and they wouldn't accept the peace he offered. Well, why does that matter to you today? Palm Sunday is a a fun Sunday tradition for the church. It's an upbeat, triumphant song. Kids get to wave palm branches, and we get to smi- take pictures of them and, and see their smiling faces. And I hope that hearing the story and the history of Palm Sunday is helpful for you. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean for you? Is there a practical purpose for Palm Sunday? I think the reason the church celebrates Palm Sunday every year is in the hope that you will finally understand something important. Jesus came to save you. He came to save you. And he didn't come to save you from some external enemy that's oppressing you. Jesus came to save you from you. You see, for the people in Jerusalem, it wasn't the Romans that were the problem. It was the people of Jerusalem themselves. It was their sin, their rejection of God, their refusal to let God be their sovereign king. And when Jesus comes to save you, he saves you from your own sin. Your own rejection of God. Your refusal to let God be the sovereign king of your life. You are the problem. The problem is not the devil. It's not cancer. It's not your disabilities or your illness. That's not the problem. The problem is not broken bones that need to be mended or the pain that you feel. The real problem is not your financial debts. It's not the government that they take out too much taxes. The real problem is not gun violence, or racism, or political division, or Republicans, or Democrats. The real problem is not those people over there that aren't living the right way. Dare I say it, the problem is not the United Methodist Church or the Global Methodist Church or homosexuality or any of that stuff or any of the sins, the little things. Jesus says the problem is you. You are the problem, it's your heart. Can't you see that it's full of sin? You reject God. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty, or to make you feel bad, or to condemn you. John 3.17 says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. But if you can't, but if you can't recognize that the real problem is you, how can the Messiah, the Savior, save you? Everyone loves Jesus when they think he's come to conquer their enemies. But what do you do when you realize you're the enemy and he needs to conquer you? In a few days, people in Jerusalem decided they didn't really want Jesus to be their Messiah. They arrested him and handed him over to the Romans to be beaten and crucified. They they traded Jesus for a criminal because they were criminals. Jesus knew it was coming. But he also knew that darkness can never extinguish the light of the world. Easter, Easter, Easter resurrection is coming. But we have to ask ourselves... When Jesus comes to us and says, or when the disciples come to us and says, the Lord needs your donkey. If the Lord needs it, is he he really Lord? Are you going to give it? Are you going to surrender it all to him? Are you going to hold back? Is there some point where you come to and you say... I know you're Lord and all, but you can't have that. And that's the place where we realize we have to ask whose side are we on? We think Jesus is on our side or are we on his? Jesus knew it was coming. So he shared a Passover meal with his disciples. This was a Thanksgiving meal that celebrated God's deliverance. And Jesus shows that he is the Lamb of God, who God sent to save us from sin and death. And for 2,000 years, Christians have shared this meal to remember him. And to find strength in, the saving pre- in his saving presence with us this day. So here we are. The table is set. We have the privilege of sharing Holy Communion together. We remember the sacred words that Jesus told his disciples. And he says them again to us today. On the night that Christ gave himself up for us, he shared a meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he took the bread and he broke it. He asked the Lord to bless it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body that is given for you. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup. He raised it to heaven and he asked the Lord to bless it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me.